Swans Talking More, your 20-minute podcast. This podcast will be different to most that we've seen over the past couple of years. This will be a 20-minute short snippet that will actually talk about the Swans and other AFL issues that are facing us at the moment. It's a podcast aimed at you from people like you. A discussion about the Swans and the AFL in general. And I remember to tell you, It is a maximum of 20 minutes, because I realise your time is as valuable as mine. A few thank yous need to go out to Justin and Josh, my former compadres in Swans Car, Swans Chat. We have basically shut that down for the rest of this year, hence me starting this one up. But Josh and Justin, when you're ready to come back after the whole COVID-19 period back in Victoria, I'm hoping that we can start it back up again. A couple of other thank yous need to go out to Jackson, Andrew, Isaac and Gus who actually pushed me over the last few weeks to actually get it started because they missed listening to our podcast each week. So thank you so much and thank you to the number of people who have sent me Facebook messages asking me when the podcast is going to be running again, particularly Ellie and don't worry Ellie, your question will be coming up at the end. Well, what a season we've had. We had round one. We had a break of six weeks. We had COVID. And now we can't play in the home of footy. Victoria, what's going on? A special mention to all those Victorians listening out there. We hope you're keeping safe and following Daniel Andrews' orders because the only way we can get through this is together. We've had games where people cannot attend. And finally, now, we are getting some sort of crowd back. Thank you to the Queensland and Western Australian governments. We've had injuries galore, from Buddy to Brown to Goey, Pendlebury to name a few. You could name multiple players from lots of clubs. Even from tonight, Maxi Gorn goes down through a knee. We've had players returning home from the hubs in Queensland and Western Australia due to family issues. We've had players not going to the hubs due to their own personal reasons. Fair enough too. Be a hard few months, I'd say. We've had a footy every night of the week throughout the footy frenzy. And I must say, I'm loving it. I couldn't get any more excited about the footy each and every night. We have had a coach who was on his last legs and is now sitting on top of the ladder and is sitting pretty as one of the Premiership favourites. If you're not sure who I'm talking about, it's Port Adelaide and their coach Courageous Ken Hinckley. He's a mighty fine bloke and a mighty fine coach as he's proving this year. Most importantly, we've had the Swans, which I think is the reason you are here to listen to me and to listen about. So let's get on with it. Let's talk about the Sydney Swans. What a season so far. Obviously, we've had our injury concerns with Reed, Buddy, Kennedy, Heaney, Naismith, McLean, and a host of others going down. We've had five debutantes in Stevens, Wicks, Taylor, 
Ling and Chad Warner. I've been especially impressed with Dylan Stevens, who's actually fitted in quite well on the wing. I know he got dropped for one game, but he come back, comes back in and does an almighty effort to actually prove his spot in the team. Kicking efficiency was outstanding. His disposal under pressure was excellent. And the fact that he had so many score involvements made him the tick of approval for the week. We have blooded Brand, Gray and Taylor from other clubs. The jury is out on whether any of these are going to work. I'm hoping when Caden Brand comes back from injury and actually gets another go, he'll actually set himself in the defence because, for heaven's sake, we need another big guy down there. We've seen Papley want to leave the club, commit to stay, lead the Coleman, stage for free kicks and become the centre of attention for the media in more ways than one. Sadly, I think there'll be a few more ups and downs with dear old Papley. He's a wonderful bloke, a great footballer, and he wears his heart on the sleeve. But there's still more to come in the Tom Papley story. Let's wait and see what actually happens and what it brings. I'm certain that he will actually be able to set himself up and actually stay competitive throughout the year. One thing about Papley, though, has anyone noticed that he's starting to play more time in the midfield? Have people started to work him out on the forward line? I think that may be the case. Coaches are starting to see that he is our main target, with him being kicked to more than any other player in the Swans lineup. He's actually had more than 50% of our inside 50s kicked to him. That's a pretty high number, especially for a guy who stands at 176 centimetres tall. We've seen a defender become a winger, a backman lose form, a forward become a backman and ultimately end up in the ruck, and some have said, based on his last performance, a witch's hat on the ground. I wonder if you can tell me who I'm talking about. Yes, that's right. Dear old Aaliyah Aaliyah. Sadly, he hasn't risen to the heights that he could have this year and has really, really struggled. I don't know what's going on, where his best position is, or what we can do with him, but he looks all lost at sea at the moment, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to sort it out soon. Aaliyah Aaliyah, if you're listening to this, which most likely you're not, mate, I've got all the time in the world for you as a player, but you need to get some serious confidence back and you need to actually look like you want to be out in the field. Three disposals in a whole game when you played 30% ruck is a serious concern. You need to decide where you're going to play and what's best for the team and what you can do to make sure that you actually fit in. We have seen Wayne Carey's love child have a shocking season and ultimately be admitted from the side. If you're unsure who I'm talking about, it's Nick Blakey. I remember last year Wayne Carey said he would be the greatest player of the 2019 draft, but sadly he has hit a wall at the moment. He can't get near the footy, and I question whether some of it's got to do with our disposal efficiency into the forward 50, because I know that's still one of my bugbears, and it's still something we need to look at. We've seen Sinclair take over as the number one ruck position again after Naismith's done his knee. 30 games in seven years. It doesn't look good for Semi, and I'm afraid to say he will actually look even worse when he comes back. 
Sam, I think you're a great player. You're one of the guys who I really enjoyed hanging out with at some of the dinners. But, mate, the career is not looking good. I hope you can come back one more time, but we really need to sort it out. What is our medical staff doing when we keep getting these long-term injuries? Anyway, back to Sinclair. I would actually have to say that he played a blinder against arguably the best ruckman in the league in Grundy. One game, though, Cal, does not make a season. You've got to back it up each and every week. As I said, what a season it has been. Who would have thought we would even get a season this year with COVID-19? But we have, we're here, and we're still going along. We've won three games, and we're kicking along. 17th is not an issue when we're blooding young players. And remember, it's all up here, uphill from here. We can do this as long as we stick together. We are a great team, and everything we do is for the betterment of our club, rich or poor. So let's focus on last week's game, Sydney versus Collingwood. The Pies, wayward for most of the game, kicked 6 goals 14-50 to the Swans, 6-5-41. We got beat all around the ground, but with 5 minutes to play, we're still very much in this game. We looked like we were going to run over the top of them. If it hadn't have been for one or two silly mistakes, one being Melican, yes, Lewis Melican taking the kick in. Has he ever done this before? Has he ever taken a kick in in the AFL before? I can't even remember him doing it in the kneeful. Sadly, I think we would have snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, but ultimately come up short. Mention goes out to Robbie Fox in this situation because I believe you could have actually chased down Dacos in that last couple of minutes. As good as you've been over the last five weeks, Robbie, that was poor. And it's something that we need to focus in on. Stats from that game. We lost the disposals by almost 100. We lost the inside 50s by 17. Disposal efficiency was terrific at 66%, much better than Collingwood's 58%. And for the first half, we were sitting at an extremely high and I think the best in the first half of any game this year at 78%. I'm not sure if anyone remembers Brody Holland, but he actually put a tweet up in the middle of the game and said that he would no longer watch football or any game this year if the Swans continued their disposal efficiency as high as what it was. Luckily for him, it actually dropped. Not so good for us, though. Hopefully we can actually continue that because having disposal efficiency at 78% is pretty good. Going back to it though, our issues came when we went into our forward line. Efficiency inside 50 was only 45.5%. The average for the year for every club sits above 50. That shows where our issues sit. It's something that Ollie Healy and I have talked about many times before. Sitting below 50% for our kicking efficiency or our disposal efficiency inside 50 is not good enough, especially when we've got a $1.4 million player in the side when he's up and about anyway. 
and not injured. We also gave away a lot of free kicks, something that we are prone to do and something that we need to focus in on. Papley, if you're listening to this, staging is not a good idea. Pushing people in the back is not a good idea. And back-chatting the umpires is not a good idea. But on a drum roll, we won the centre clearances against Brody Grundy. Yes, that's right. We won the centre clearances against Brody Grundy. The ultimate ruckman in the league, and we were able to nullify their midfield and win the centre clearances. Sadly, it didn't help us much, though, because we had 11 more turnovers in Collingwood throughout the game. But the best players for the week, Jake, my God, his disposal efficiency was disgusting earlier in the season, Lloyd, but he has now picked up dramatically over the past four to six weeks. In the first four weeks, his disposal efficiency was sitting below 60%. He now goes at about 80% for the season and had an astounding 84% efficiency for the game. That is really good, considering he has so many disposals. 84% is outstanding. Jake, just remember, you need to keep this up and you need to make sure you focus in on what is best for each and every teammate. Jake's disposal efficiency for the week and over the past four weeks has only been bettered by the most improved player in the AFL. That is Robbie Fox. Horse, I applaud you. You have finally put him into one position and you have allowed him to succeed. Well done and it's about time. Robbie Fox, keep it up, mate. You're doing a terrific job and it's well deserved. Another good player for the game was Jackson Thurlow. He butchered a couple of decisions late in the game, but Horse putting him on the wing was a masterstroke. Well done, Horse. Came out, kicked two goals, looked all around a great place to have him. Well done. Keep it up. Callum Sinclair, another good performance this week. Has struggled for most of the season, but this game was not one of those. He was serviceable around the ground, in my honest opinion, beat Grundy on the day, and that is no mean feat. Well done, Cal. Another great player for the day was Jordan Dawson. Has struggled a bit this season. I thought he'd go to the next level, but hasn't yet, so I'm not sure why he's been struggling, but hopefully we can pull it through and he'll be able to fix it up. I believe this was one of his best games for the year, and I'm surprised that he hasn't been able to do it every week in, week out because he's got one of the best footy brains I've ever seen on the field and such a penetrating career kick. He can do it. But a terrific game for the boys this week. Jordan, make sure it is not an only game. Well, let's move on. Next week's game. Where do we think we'll be? This week, we have the bye. And that's why I'm getting this back up and running. However, coming into next round, we play the Battle of the Bridge against the, you guessed it, Greater Western Sydney, the Giants. Where, 
you may ask. Well, at all places, Optus Stadium in Perth. So therefore, is it still called the Battle of the Bridge, or is it called something else? Is it the Battle of the West? The Battle of Sheedy? What is it now? I don't know. Anyway, some keys to the game. Control their midfield, and we'll have a strong chance of beating them. Cornelio and Kelly are back in form, getting plenty of possessions. Torano has come back in and hasn't missed a beat. And Whitfield is ever reliable. If we stop their midfield, we stop the Giants. Mark my word, if we can beat those four guys, we will go in with a very strong chance of winning the game. We also have to watch out for the 319-game veteran in Heath Shaw. Who would have ever thought he would kick two goals in a game? Not since 2012 has he done that. That's a mighty long time. Heater, you're terrific when you're in the media, but I hope you play on next year. You deserve to continue playing. And any other game, I'd be rooting for you, but not this week, mate. I hope you get two possessions and that's it. One big aspect we have a chance in this week is the ruck. Sam Jacobs and Big Mummy aren't travelling all that well and they seem to rotate them week in, week out to keep them fit. They're both old and I believe this is where Sinclair could have a great week and can draw even or possibly even win the contest. Hopefully that sums up next week's game for you. But now, to finish off, we talk about the questions from the audience. Our first question comes from Ellie Habak, who's actually been listening for quite a long time. So, hello Ellie, I hope you're going well and I hope you enjoy the new podcast. Basically, he's asked, who do we think we should get from the AFL trade period this year? So, we've got two already, Ellie. We've got Goulden and Campbell coming in from the Sydney Swans Academy. So that'll be good. But hopefully we pick up a Ruckman. If we can't get one in the trade period, I'd love to trade for someone. Someone like Tim English or someone that is not really getting a game, but we need a mobile Ruckman who can actually win the taps. They're my three picks. A key defender would also be good. David Smith from Sydney Swan Supporters also asks, should Sydney pay out Franklin's contract as he is injury-ridden, hardly gets on the oval, and is costing us big time. David, while I understand that paying out $1.4 million for a player that's actually not getting on the park is difficult, it's no different to any other time when somebody signs a big-named star. Injuries happen, and when he's out there, he is a superstar. When he's out there, he is a gun, and he actually leads from the front. So no, I don't think we should pay him out. And we wouldn't be able to anyway because that was part of his contract that the AFL signed off on, that we actually had to pay him out over the nine years no matter what. Because of such a big deal, the AFL put in clauses. So I don't think we can actually pay him out. And I think he's on 1.5 or 1.6 million next year. So I don't think we could afford it anyway. So David, to answer your question, no, we definitely shouldn't pay out Franklin's contract. But, each to their own. If you think that's the case, then so be it. Anyway, Swans fans, AFL fans, and ladies and gentlemen, it's time to sign off. I hope you've 
had an insightful 20 minutes, and I hope that you'll join me again next week. Thank you, and goodbye. Cheer, cheer, the red and the white. Awesome.